Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast, episode 104. Altai joined this week by the one and only... Omer. There it is. And we have an exciting podcast for you guys today, as we usually do. That always sounds mega cheesy, but we're going to say it every time anyway. Always, always got something always special. Always exciting podcast. Always something special for you guys. All right. Um, <laughs> Take it away. Yes. The weekly rate, as always, will start the podcast. And this week, I want to know what game uh, are you excited about in the second half of 2017? Um, the first half actually was a little slow. We saw Revelation Online launch. Uh, kind of a mixed bag there. You know, it was pretty popular. Everyone tried it, as far as I can tell, in the MMORPG scene. But, you know, it had its flaws. Uh, and But the second half of this year is is shipping up to be quite quite busy. Um, we got big expansions coming out. Morrowind uh, for Elder Scrolls Online just launched today or yesterday. Uh, Stormblood is coming out next month. We got some huge games announced, like Destiny 2 for PC coming out later this year, at least on consoles, hopefully on PC as well. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff coming out. So, Omar, what do you think? Uh, I'm su- One thing that caught me by surprise is actually Crowfall is actually scheduled to release this year. It's been a, maybe a bit of a news discussion on its own because I don't think we've heard a release date until uh, just this last week. But personally, I'm for sure excited most about Stormblood only because uh, it's the game I've been playing, I guess, most actively. Uh, in the most recent years, I guess. I did a slash plate action. I'm up to like 30 or so days in game time. I definitely not like super, super hardcore. 30 days in game play time is not a lot for, you know, for the youngins out there, but it's, it's a lot of fun and adding so much more shit. So there's gonna be tons of stuff to do. And on the rest of that list, I'm also a bit excited for, um, I guess, uh, perhaps Pantheon Rise of the Fall a little bit only because how, how similar it is to EverQuest and almost like a throwback to old school EverQuest without old school EverQuest visuals and interface. <laughs> I think EverQuest 1 had some of the like the ugliest interface of any MMORPG, even though it was a great game. So on that list for me, for sure, FF14 and Pantheon to a degree. Though I do want to play Destiny 2 as well, only because how much hype I heard about Destiny 1, despite never actually playing it because it was on console. I didn't really want to play on a console, so I, I just kind of avoided Destiny altogether. But Destiny 2 will be on PC, so excited for that. It's so strange to me how Bungie has always been like so anti-PC, but hope you know now they're finally... Uh, coming around to the light mm-hmm. side here. And by the way, I should say this list is not complete. If you guys are watching this, listening to this, head over to the Weekly Raid page uh, and just mm-hmm. let us know what you're excited about, even if it's not on the list. You can also vote here in chat. Um, we're going to drop in the link. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of options here. Uh, personally, uh, I'm actually kind of... Su- besides Crowfall, which you mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of other games that we've heard about for a long time, but I uh, just never never released are finally going to release this year hopefully including shroud of the avatar which we played we can talk a little bit about that uh mm-hmm. albion online another game which you know we actually streamed we did a sunday fun day for albion online you know i think what almost over a year two, ago over, over a year, a year yeah, ago. over almost two years probably at this point mm-hmm. um so a lot of games on that list like that uh there's also secret world legends which is the secret world but kind of i guess remade as an action rpg a master s master i mean i think you did a video for that oh you know a year ago as well right mm-hmm. so oh it's been a while too the game has also been kind of you know coming soon for a long but i think right now it's kind of you know right around the corner so it should be launching this year a lot, a lot of loose ends are going to be uh tied up this year that's that's a good sign you know we gotta we gotta close the book on a lot of these uh perpetual development games here 
and those perpetual games are Shroud the Avatar, Pantheon, and and Crowfall. I think those and Albion Online. These games have always been, have been coming soon for such a long time. Mm-hmm. So if we can get these off the slate into like some kind of release, it'd be pretty great. We should talk a bit about uh, Shroud the Avatar because we did a Grindfest Friday video for it, and it's actually a, a unique game. But maybe unique is the wrong word, but it, it's quite different than most of the Korean grinders out there. Even though it had its problems, uh, I actually I actually enjoyed my time with it, and it's a game that is on my radar now. I kind of avoided it because all the Steam reviews I read about it were kind of negative. And even though Richard Garrett was behind it, the guy behind Ultima Online, it wasn't a game I was too excited for. Uh, right now, it's not a game I'm going to play this, you know, immediately. Again, I'm not going to jump back into it, but it's a game that's on my radar because of all the different shit it's trying to do. It's trying to revive Ultima Online in a bit more modern setting. And it made me realize just, like, how many games are so generic. Again, and we, we, we always complain about these Korean grinds being all the same. But you play, you play, you know, Shroud the Avatar. Ugly interface, bugs, uh, some optimization issues, problems. But the game is so different. It's skill-based progression. It's uh, it's got persistent world housing, and it does all that stuff really well. It brings a lot of MMORPG elements like we've lost. Like how like, so many MMORPGs don't even bother having day and night cycles anymore. Like we had that with Star Wars Galaxies. We had that with EverQuest One. Like you have all these other MMORPGs coming out, namely from Korea, and they don't have. They don't even bother with a day and night cycle because, I don't know, it just seems like they've given up on ambition. They've given up on being detail-oriented. So what I like about Shroud the Avatar, which is, it's on my radar because it's different. The housing was awesome. And it's trying to, it, it's just not another Korean grinder. Really, that's that's the biggest sell for it. And I'm hoping, you know, Crowfall captures that as well. I've, I've yet to play Crowfall. It's set to come out this year too. So I think a lot of West developed games are vastly different. For their Korean counterparts, although not always as successful, because some of the most successful and more in the world are are from Korea and China. I feel like Shroud the Avatar, like you said, is a lot of it does a lot of things right, it does a lot of things interestingly, but I think it's kind of lost the momentum at this point. You know, this game has been it's been out for a while, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I think we're gonna see kind of the end of this whole crowdfunding uh, fad because it's. It's a great way to lose momentum. You know, momentum is so important. Shroud of the Avatar mm-hmm. has been selling these, you know, housing packages, pre-sales, Kickstarters, mm-hmm. crowdfunding. It's been doing this for years. And so many people uh, have moved on, right? Because because if the game was in this state when it was first revealed, I think people would be excited about it. There'd be a lot of development. There'd be a lot of people playing, funding it. But they've kind of burned the goodwill they've had. And I don't know if it can recover from this, you know, from where it is now. Um, the gameplay, I, look, I actually was having a decent time, not a great time, until I got to town and just walked around and looking at those player houses. That was the best part. So I feel like I it, the worst the worst part of this game is the gameplay, right? It's everything else that's, that's done well. But I think that kind of emphasizes a point I've been saying for a long time. Gameplay, like the core combat mechanics, I think are usually the least, not the least important, but not like on the top tier of importance in MMORPGs. I think MMORPGs are fun because of everything else around the gameplay. You don't, you don't play World of Warcraft or FF14 for the gameplay. You play it for the the world, the MMORPG elements, the world, the community, the interactions, the crafting. All those systems working together is what makes MMORPGs fun. You want to play, you want to play something with gameplay? Go play a MOBA. Go play an FPS game. Mm-hmm. You know, go play an action RPG. Like those are games you play for the gameplay. I don't think MMORPGs are games you play strictly for gameplay. I don't think there's any MMORPG that's like you just you're playing just for the combat and it's so fun. Except for maybe even like Blade and Soul for a short while. But even then, just go play a fighting game. You know, like the combat I think Blade and Soul is the best of MMORPG combat. But 
you can really just get that experience without all the MMORPG nonsense because the guy that enjoys the combat in Blade and Soul is going to enjoy playing fighting games as well. So I don't think the combat is the most important part, even close to it. And I guess Shared Avatar probably best encompasses that because the most fun I had too was walking around town, looking at people's houses, right? Their creations of persistent world housing, seeing what people have done. You can literally sit down and play a piano, right? Like so few games let you interact with the world and housing that way. Like Mabinogi lets you play music too. And we're seeing Maple Story 2 do it. But so few games bother to have like at least that level of depth. At least mixed things Actually, around I think, a bit. I think is a good comparison. And I would say it kind of did the whole... It, it did what Shredded Avatar is trying to do, I think, better. Um, where you had the housing, the you know, the, the little you know, role-playing gimmicks with the, with the you know, instruments and everything. But at least the combat was interesting. If you know, It was slow. <laughs> it wasn't like action combat. But it was interesting, okay? Whereas I think in Shredded Avatar... It almost feels like they just dropped like generic, like they're using like the Unity default combat almost, right? Like I didn't feel like I was, I don't know, the, the combat just didn't feel like a thing. It just felt like, you know, like I was saying, if this game was medieval, The Sims instead of of mm -hmm. uh, an MMORPG, if it was medieval Sims, and you know, with with multiplayer, I think it'd be better. People would just you could just role play and build houses and cities and trade or whatever. I think Shadow of the Avatar would actually be better as that. I think it fails at being. A combat MMORPG, which you know, combat's not the most important thing, but yeah. But remember, you, you're you're a hero in this world, right? You, you know, you're fighting. The first thing you do is you got a sword and shield and a bow and stuff. So you, it, it clearly is emphasizing combat, and it doesn't do it doesn't do that part well. But look at the at least design element of the combat, right? The skill system of the game is again something we haven't seen too much of. Mm -hmm. it, instead of using a, a level system, every time you attack with a certain weapon, you gain skill with that weapon. You know. You gain skills with, you know, as you use certain skills, you get better at that skill as well. So you progress not just the static level. You have you have you have a few stats you can level like your strength, int, and I think dexterity. But even like the progression of that game is is so different from other MRPGs, and the inspiration from Ultima Online is clearly visible. And I do like that. I do want to see more games at least try uh, some different things, because it just look even Critical Online. I don't think we put it on this list, but the game is Critical should be launching uh, this month at least into closed beta and it's by in mass. But even that game as a new game, an action MMORPG, it, it does so little different. It does so many of these new like, Korean MMORPGs do so little different. It just almost feels like a tad, tad soulless though. I do think the gameplay in those games are fun, but I think <coughs> MMORPGs need to have more, uh, more than focus on other stuff besides the combat. Because the combat in an MMORPG can only keep you interested so long. The MMORPGs are games that you know typically you invest you know, thousands of hours into. Not like 50 hours, like you would maybe like a console game, even a JRPG, like 100 hours, right? So you, you'd have more than just the combat. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough because I see people complaining about MMORPGs all the time. And I know I'm kind of sidetracking this for, for a little bit. If you look at our, our MMORPG, they've actually even renamed uh, reddit.com slash MMORPG to the Sea of Salt because people are just so salty and so cynical and so jaded about MMORPGs. And one, one, one thread on there that kind of caught my eye, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to derail us a little bit over here. Why do I keep quitting and I need help? So this guy, he's saying he's been playing in since 2007, and he's changed games a lot, and he keeps quitting games, right? He can't stick to a game. Maybe he's hopping a lot too, but he just, you know, he can't stick to something, and he's not having fun. And look at the first comment is about, you know, I don't even know why I like it in RPGs anymore. I've been playing for like 10 years, but these games aren't fun. I think the problem is people are focusing on combat. I mean, I, I think the first MMORPG you play, you kind of get immersed in anyway, and you think like, I feel like you think you like the game for the combat, but you don't. You love your first MMORPG for 
the community around it and your you you shared experience your stories you make in that game the combat in my favorite mmorpg ultima online everquest dark to camelot maple story it's it just it, it's it's well maple story is grinding it's, it's kind of fun in a weird psychological way but even all my favorite mmorpgs the combat is not it's pretty dull it's not you know it's not innovative you know, if you want to play combat, you can go play Counter Strike, go play mobile, go play you know some arena game. You'll you'll have more fun in just pure combat. So I'm bashing the games I love too, and I play these games for the community elements. Make friends. I, I can't emphasize this enough. You want to play an MRPG? Join a clan. Make some friends in the game. Play with your friends. I know it's like kind of a douchebag thing. Go get some friends, bro. But like I love Final Fantasy XIV right now because of the the people I'm playing with. Right, my free company in the game. Shout out to uh, free company Cure on Gilgamesh. It's what makes the game fun. The people you can play with, the people that are always there to chat. You can ask for help, help them out, help other people out. So play with a guild, play with a clan. I guarantee you'll have more fun. That's how you have fun in an RPG. Join a clan and be a part of that clan. Don't just go into it grinding mobs and then wonder why you quit the next week, you know, because you're not having fun grinding mobs. Grinding mobs is not fun. Spoilers. It's only fun for a short while. All right, that's my rant. Sorry about that. Good rant, good rant, good rant. Okay. Adding to that, okay, I think, okay. okay, besides the community, right, community is important, I think when you're playing a game with your friends or with strangers, the way you make friends in games, like whether it's, you know, people are saying, you know, they make, they make good friends in games, the way you make friends is you, you have to, uh, you have to be in a, you, um, a unique environment, you have to be in a new environment, okay, so for example, when we when we first played Ultima Online, whatever it is, EverQuest, Ultima Online, Mabinogi, yeah. uh, Eve Online, these are all games where you have to talk to people to figure out what to do because because it's different. You know, the combat in Eve, the combat in Ultima Online, the combat in EverQuest, the combat Mabinogi, in Mabinogi, yeah. the combat systems are all very different. Okay, mm-hmm. they don't have to be actiony or super in depth, but they're different. That's my point. So you have to figure out with other people. You got to ask, hey, what do I do? Where do I go? How do how do I how do I do this? I remember playing Mabinogi. It took me like an hour to figure out how to kill like this this like um, rabbit because the, the way the, the the combat's very different in that game. Mm-hmm. My point is today, so many games are so formula you know formula driven. Like you know you, you just mm-hmm. do those quests like Revelation. Yeah, for like fifty levels, you just do the same thing. Where you don't have mm-hmm. to talk to people, you don't have to figure it out. So I think I think that's where it stumbles. It's not like it's not like people forgot to make friends. Like the same people who were making friends in previous games aren't today because today you don't have to the game the gameplay doesn't require you to make friends um that's ge- true but it's also almost like a meta game too because the first mrpg you play you know you, when you're new to the genre you're more likely to interact with people and try to figure things out with them right but once you've played a bunch of these games you kind of know what to do in all like the newer games too so there's less reason to interact there's almost like a meta problem there as well unless no, you no, add no. complexity no, no, no. or something no, no 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 you don't it's not, it's not complexity look for example, Bless. It's good, right? It's an okay mm-hmm. game when we played it. But at no point leveling in Bless did I mm-hmm. ever have to think, what do I do next? Because mm-hmm. I played Bless a thousand times, you know, under yeah, under, did, yeah. under a thousand different names, right? So I never had mm-hmm. to talk to anyone. But that that's not true of all games. You know, even, even Path of Exile, you know, a lot of times you don't know what's going on. You know, you can't finish something yourself. You're stuck on a certain boss. You got to ask people in chat, you know, how to help you. And, you know, they tell you to go to this website. They tell you, you know, join this Discord channel. Things happen. You know, the, the gears move. You know, the grinding gears, they move. Mm-hmm. So the game has to require this uh, this kind of... This kind of out of the... Bo- like games have went the other way, though? Like, so many games have gone added systems to make progression easier, to make, uh, like, 
the game world, you know, makes maps better, make auto walking. You have all these features that can to streamline yes. the experience. That, that's the problem. It's not. It's not go make friends. It's not like my point is people didn't forget to make friends. You know, it's it's a gameplay today that's is not is is not requiring people to do that, so they're not doing it. You know, and and, and yeah. you can't solve that by just saying go make friends because. No, he, he, here's the solution for me. Like I, I was playing FF14, right? And I, I was playing because uh, Shu introduced me to the game, and she was playing with her friends. But right when right when I, I finally got to the game, she basically quit, right? And I'm like, what am I doing, right? Like. I'm playing the game, I'm grinding some mobs, I'm like doing my questing, I'm like, I'm not really having a lot of fun, right? Because the person who introduced me to the game quit, and I, I wasn't, I, luckily I was in the, the guild she invited me to before she quit, and slowly I started realizing I'm having fun because the people I'm playing with, you know, these are these, they're all strangers to me, like I didn't know any of them outside of the game. And, and slowly I, I joined the Discord, we talk, we have fun, and that community engagement is what made the game fun for me. And had I not joined, you know, a free company in the game, I don't think I'd be playing FF14 probably. Well, here's, okay. And it, it, yeah, go ahead. Here's the thing. You were introduced by someone into that environment, right? Mm -hmm. Now imagine you started solo. Unless mm -hmm. the game pushes you uh, to, to, to into that kind of scenario with a random person that you do a dungeon with, right? Or whatever. Mm -hmm. A random person you run into. If they don't, hey, join my guild, join my Discord, join my clan, whatever. The game has to push you to do that. If it just relies on people bringing other people in, like you were brought in, right? Yeah. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna last. It's not gonna reach. It's not gonna get big. How how can we do this? How how can games do this? Like it's how why are they going the opposite direction? If that if this is such an integral part, I do think you know, people have to be pushed to do this a bit more. And somebody brought up a good example in the chat. I, I since EverQuest, no game has really required players to kind of work together. You know, in EverQuest, for example, you you literally could not. You know, gain experience at a half decent rate without partying. You know, if you if you're not willing to party with a group, you literally can't do anything at like higher levels. You can only kill like very low level monsters by yourself, very inefficiently. So it's interesting that like I don't think off the top of my head any new MRPGs, you know, almost any 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 MRPG today you can get the max level solo grinding. Once in a while you do you know Q Finder in a game, you can do that too. But EverQuest, you did have to party with people, and I remember spending a lot of time, you know. And high keep and various other places in EverQuest with a group of people. Okay, so I, I think actually I, I would argue that games have actually gotten better at this uh, over the years. It's just MMORPGs specifically that have gotten worse at it. You know, like I'm mm -hmm. more likely, even like, in, for example, when you play League or Dota or uh, Overwatch even, the people, even strangers you play with, sometimes, you know, with, because of voice chat and other things, you kind of, you know, or you, you have a good synergy with them, you kind of add them to your friends list. You know, you kind of, yeah. you know, you play with, you queue with them again later. So I think mm -hmm. other genres have gotten better while MMORPGs have actually gotten worse at this specific uh, player interaction, mm -hmm. I guess, community building. And uh, what, I, I don't have the, I don't have the answer on what they could do right. to fix it. But, but my solution of trying to, you know, trying to get yourself into a guild, I think is a good solution for people that actually want to play an MMORPG. And you, you don't remember why you like it again, you know, people, because developers aren't going to overnight fix this problem. Or if they even recognize this as a problem, but I think a lot of people can enjoy the games uh, they're playing more if they're willing to invest a little more time into joining a guild. That's probably the easiest way to kind of you know get you into a game. A Look, bit more. If, if you're not, if you're not, here's my suggestion: if you're not, if you're not partial to a specific game, like you don't have friends who are playing one, mm -hmm. and you want to do this with like a, a any old game, I would actually just say go in with that mindset you just described, right? Trying to find friends, but go into a new game. That way you can kind of ride the wave. Uh, that's true. Like I remember the first month Star Wars the Old Republic came out. Um 
I, I had a I had a blast with it. It was subscription back then, you know. I had a blast with it mm-hmm. because I was I was literally sometimes I was the first person on my server uh, on the next planet. Like, like like when I hit level forty, whatever, right? The, the quest chain takes me to a certain planet. I was the first. I was one person there, and this was when you know the game was you know really popular. And I would see over the minutes from one to ten to twenty to fifty to hundred people coming in, and it was always the same names, you know, like hey Altai, you beat me to you know this planet. You know, I'll, I'll beat you to the next planet because he would skip the dialogue, you know. So mm-hmm. I skipped I, I skipped most of the story because I was trying to race other people, but I saw those names and I'm you know I added it to my friends list. We talked every time I logged in. So I would say ride the wave, uh, pick a new game coming out, uh, and this, you have a, you have plenty of choices this uh, this year actually. So at least that's true. When that. a game first comes out, I think there's more there's much more like opportunities, mm-hmm. and it's not just you go into a game looking to make friends. I think you just keep that option like open. Like, you should still go into the game to have fun, but. I feel like we all have this mentality in the back of our heads. We just want to level up as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. And when you have the mentality of just min-maxing, getting to late game as fast as possible, you lose out on what makes MMORPGs fun. You know? It depends, man. I, I had a good time in Star Wars with, with racing yeah, people yeah, yeah. to endgame. Fair. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, yeah, those are all the games coming out. Uh, okay, one thing I want to talk about real quick mm-hmm. is, look, even the game you remember very fondly, okay? Most of the time, most games, not, maybe not your first or second MMO, but like most games, even ones you like, you don't play uh, forever, right? You kind of yeah. burn out. That's you play no- for a long time, though. Let's you, be real. Our first you, few MMORPGs, we play forever. A you know, yeah, long time. You play for years, but you burn out. Okay, and we come back to them, too. Sure. But my, here's my point. A lot of these games have been in development for literally like the, the span of a game at this point. So, for example, Shroud of the Avatar. Let me mm-hmm. see when it was first uh, announced here. Four years, I think, or five. 2012, 2012. 2012, okay. It was, so a, Kickstarter. Was, it was a Kickstarter. Okay, so what, I wonder what the first alpha build was. Uh, let's see if we have it on our page here. Apologies, 2013. So it's been four years since the Kickstarter came out. Okay, so four years is a pretty long time. Um, mm-hmm. My point is, look, at some point, uh, you have to not release your game or not announce your game until it's closer to, re- uh, to release. And I think... Companies like um, Destiny, like Bungie, know this. So they announced, you know, Destiny 2 came out with all these uh, trailers uh, know, a few weeks ago. And it's coming out in September. You know, they revealed the first trailer and it's coming out within six months of that reveal. Uh, that's the way you got to do these things. And uh, even smaller games like Wild West Online, they revealed the game. There's only like, five <laughs> screenshots right now. Uh, but guess what? They're, they're aiming for a 2017 you know, release. No early access, no Kickstarter. They're coming out this year. They announced just like a few weeks ago. So within six months of announcement, they want to release. But do you think that's a necessity? Yes. I mean, look at like most yes. recently, I, I'm, I'm 78 hours into Persona 5. Uh, that game was announced like forever ago. And it, it's been like years and years, right? And uh, let, let me see when Persona 5 was announced. And I, I was still mega hyped about it. I bought it like the day it came out, right? It was first announced <laughs> in 2013. I, I mean... So it's been about four years. I'd say that's totally different for a few reasons. One, you didn't play endless betas and builds. Yes, that's true. You get burnt out through the betas. You didn't watch. Rather. You didn't watch them. Uh, you know, stream. No, you're right. Builds. You're right. You didn't. You know, watch. Uh, tw- you know, YouTube personalities play builds for you know twenty or fifty hours. You didn't go to conventions like like with uh, Star, Star Citizen. Citizen like, come, at some point, you know, these kind of these things whittle away at your, you know, the initial no, right. wow of of the game. You know. No, I think you're right. Especially looking at how much stuff is out for like Star Citizen. Over the years, there's been like you get like 
content overload of people playing the alpha builds, the beta builds, and uh, even the developers talking about the game nonstop. If you've been following the Star Citizen saga from the get-go, like you, how are you not already burnt out from this game that didn't even come out yet? From all this nonstop, you know, talk about the game. But whereas, you know, with my example with Persona 5, I, I, not only did I not watch any beta builds or anything, I didn't even watch any trailers because I didn't want to spoil it for myself. Well, and I exactly. So you, I, think, I think you agree with me then, right? Yeah, that stuff, that that stuff spoils the game. Point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still astounding that so many people are still hype about uh, Star Citizen after all this, you know, seeing mm-hmm. a, building hype for it for like four years, five years. So it's still surprising that people are hyped about so, I mean, because of the scope of Wild West Online, I'm excited for it. It's it's one of, I actually voted for this game on the, on that little poll we linked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not gonna be full on MMORPG, but they 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 got a lot of features going for them. One, it's gonna be PVP, because you know, the Wild West was a was a dangerous you know area. The PVP zone. The PVP <laughs> zone. <laughs> yes, if you watch the movies, it was at least you know. <laughs> I dropped the poll link again. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm excited for this one. It's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a smaller scale, but it's gonna actually come out. And they're not asking for money. They're not asking for early access. You know, founders packs. So uh, I got excited the moment they said, "Okay, we're not gonna do a Kickstarter. We we secured funding from a private investor, and we're aiming to release this year with some kind of beta in the summer, some kind of closed beta in the summer. So in a few months, something should be playable already. Because when I first heard about Wild West Online, I talked about it in the weekly news recap, and literally all we had, and we we currently still have like these, these like ten screenshots, right? That's it. You got a few screenshots, and you had then asking for Kickstarter money. They're going to say they're going to do a Kickstarter at the end of the month, so they skip the Kickstarter and they say they're going to have a product and something playable soon. So that gets me excited. The fact that they're skipping Kickstarter, God bless, you know, skipping early access, God bless. Yep, that's. I think it's very important for not just the whole like will it ever come out thing, but again, spoiling. The kind of wonder of the experience. Mm-hmm. Right. At least it's gonna happen. Uh, I gotta give you some credit, Omar, on this next subject here. I wanna, I wanna go to uh, Azure's a creation. I thought they were gonna raise a lot more than they did. I thought they were gonna raise uh, three million. Uh, they got nine days left, and they're only at uh, two point. Let's say two point three. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you said they were gonna hit two point three five on their Kickstarter. I said three million. So it unless you know. Unless something happens in nine days, I think you got this one wrapped up. Uh, most of these Kickstarter campaigns, they get most of their money in the first like day, right? Like almost the first day or two is where the bulk of the money comes from, and it slows down significantly after that. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I may be on the money, uh, depending on you know, what happens over here. I thought this guy we would do a little better. Actions. Yeah, I thought this guy <laughs> was a better marketer. You know, I thought he, I thought he'd pull out some no. pizzazz. It still like slightly upsets me that the amount of hype for this game. Really? Only because so many people don't realize, like, it, it feels like the hype is inorganic and, like, paid shield hype. And it's not always the case, right? But when you see, when I'm scrolling through actual creation videos on YouTube, like, people are hyping this game like crazy. And then you look at the video description and there's an affiliate link in there. When somebody is paid 15% of the money you donate to Kickstarter, they're going to hype the shit out of a game because they can make money doing it. And a lot of big YouTubers have done it. And it just, it just feels so shilled. I, like, if you want to get hyped for a game, get hyped for a game. But getting hyped for a game to get 15% kickbacks from all the crowdfunded money, that's so sketch. And there are so many videos and leads and leads of YouTubers jumped on the bandwagon of hyping this game because of that. And it, it just feels like you can't get an honest look at a game when you're being paid to hype it. It's uh, I mean, look, companies always pay uh, people to advertise their games. 
the only problem I have with it is that they're hyping yeah. a Kickstarter, okay? Yes. Okay. You get paid a kickback from, the, from your pledges, your Kickstarter pledges. Yeah, that part's funny. If, if it was just like a game, like whatever, like... Yeah, that's fine. If a game is coming out, it's out and it's just trying to sell you like copies or, or whatever. Like even if it's an open beta or closed beta, if it's almost coming out, whatever. You know, like the month before a game comes out, a big release... There's always a big spend, right, on uh, yeah. on like sites. Advertising. And, yeah, but I I think the fact that they're so blitzing a Kickstarter, that's the only part that kind of yeah because s- look, doesn't sit well with you, me. If you hype a game, if you make a video of like saying this game is fucking amazing and then you get kickback for it, a game that's already out, right? Uh, it's pretty. It can be very obvious that the game you hype is shit and you're being paid for. It, if the game is actually really bad and people know that by playing the game, right? But when it's a Kickstarter game, there is always like a backpedal, right? If this game ends up being pure shit, I'm not saying it will be. You know. I'm, but if it ends up being awful, the guy who hyped the game up in the past to make money off it, he'd be like, oh, looks like they didn't deliver all their Kickstarter promises. You know, who knew? You know, all those ideas were so great on paper back then. You know, I, I didn't know. And it gives almost like all the, the content creators an out where they get they accept no responsibility for hyping this game if it sucks because there's no game here yet. It's just a concept. And the concept, again, does sound great on paper. I mean, they're, they're showing what... gameplay. I'm showing uh, they've been doing, like, I think three streams a week. Uh... Gameplay. Is yeah, that, yeah, they yeah. got they got this lady, this major lady, running around. Uh, yeah, walking around Unreal Engine. I I, yeah. I I can do that too. You know, give me give give, give me a week, and I can get a hundred. You know, you can hire a freelancer to just put some art. You go to the Unreal store, put some buy some character assets, and walk around. I don't think it really constitutes as you know. Yeah, I, I guess it's engine gameplay, but I don't think it really counts. I think it's almost like what we've seen in Star Citizen, right? They showed off all this really great content, a great technology, right? Because and. Now you gotta actually make the game. You know, having an engine, especially when you're using an Unreal Engine already, like ha- showing off engine assets moving around is not really gameplay. It has I, to be all the systems working in- together to be, you know, real gameplay. My only issue with what they're showing is, look, I look. They obviously have this this map, right? These characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only problem I have is I don't know how much I trust Unreal Engine as like a big, massive, MRPG engine, like. These are all NPCs walking around in this world, right? But what happens when there's like, you know, 200 people on this map? Uh, it's gonna lag like crazy. Yeah, so that's that's my issue. Is how 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 far along are they with the netcode? Is it is it doable what they're trying to do with the netcode? I don't doubt that they're trying to make a you know a good game with these with this assets, you know, what they're showing here. But whether they can make an MMORPG out of all these parts is uh is the is the question. This is Ashes of it's Creation, actually- by the way, guys. I'm showing Ashes of Creation. Uh, gameplay uh, footage from their stream on uh, that was gameplay. on May nineteenth. Put those in quotes, guys. Gameplay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just engine assets walking around. I think you know it's deceiving, especially when you present the video to people. I guess who are not familiar with game development. You know, the showing off engine assets. Like today, you can download Unreal Engine because Unreal Engine gets like five percent of your royalty royalty fee on your game, right? You can download the Unreal Engine today, and Import like a map and make some basic flat map. Put some trees in there that you buy from the Unreal Engine store. Put some character models you buy from the Unreal Engine store and you walk around. Like you can do that in like a couple hours, like an hour. Making the map itself will take a while, sure. But like that doesn't really constitute as gameplay. Just walking around some map you made. So there's there's still a lot more work to do, and I do hope the game comes out. And to address your concern, actually, people, at least there's a few skeptical people on the Asher Creation subreddit, uh, voicing concerns about um, the Unreal Engine. Apparently, uh, Steven Sharif, the guy behind the game, says creating your own engine is a waste of time in his defense for Unreal Engine. Which, uh, look, I, I don't, I, based on what I've researched, I don't think Steven Sharif knows, you know, he, I don't think he's been working in game design or development 
at all, actually. He, he, he loves games, right? He's been playing MMORPGs for a long time, and this is clearly a passion project for him. But I don't know if, you know, that opinion weighs too much if, uh, you know, he hasn't worked in the industry too much. And if you read this article, it's actually pretty funny. You know, he's complaining about Unreal Engine games not working pretty well. Yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, uh, there, there, we, there are a few Unreal Engine MMOs out there. You have games yep. like Terra, which have been notoriously unoptimized. And you have Bless, right? Literally the worst optimized game I've ever played. Like, and big MMORPGs I've ever played. Bless is unoptimized, unplayable nonsense. And the, the reason why Bless failed right now in Korea, and it's a, nobody really played it in Russia either, is because it was unplayable. It's just the most unoptimized, unplayable game. The core gameplay is cool, but the game doesn't work. It's just so unoptimized, it doesn't work. And that's fun pretty funny. Hmm. A fun fact about Bless, real quick. Uh, in their home market of Korea, uh, they've actually just two days ago merged, well, announced a merge from two servers down to one. So on my birthday, no June 14th, um, the present I'm going to get is uh, one Korean server for Bless Online. Mm -hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty funny. This guy, uh, he, this guy talks about Unreal Engine, and he says, um, "Take a look at this, so you can find Let it." Uh, one of the guys who contributed to the Unreal Engine code uh, discusses MMORPGs using Unreal Engine. So, um, and and he said basically says it's very difficult, you know, to make an MMORPG run efficiently on Unreal Engine, and even the games that do do it do it pretty poorly. And again, he's a guy who contributed to the code of Unreal Engine. They say the performance is laughable for it. Yeah, oh, that's pretty funny. Let me show this right here. <laughs> Read what he first says over there. Basically, whenever you want to create an MMO game, you you can ask yourself a simple question. Uh, which which acts as a rule of thumb to decide whether you should move forward with the project. Key question: Am I in over my head? Answer: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jokes aside, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time, if you have to ask people online about making an MMO, you aren't ready to make an MMO. <laughs> Where's okay? I clicked it. Let me see where. Yeah, some fun stuff, and guys. It, uh, fun stuff. Unreal Engine Four is uh, not much different than Unreal Engine Three. Terra Online is based on Unreal Engine Three, and the performance is laughable. Again, this is one of the commentators on the Unreal Forum from an engine contributor, meaning he's contributed to some code that's being used in the Unreal Engine, the actual source engine. So people that know what they're talking about have, you know, publicly said it, it's not perfect, you know, for MMOs and. Uh, all the Unreal Engine MMOs I've played, they've had some performance issues. It, it's certainly not, you know, insurmountable, but uh, it's, you know, definitely yeah, questionable I mean, when you have all things said. Line. I mean, Terra Terra has done rather well. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least better than Bless, which you know came out after, so mm -hmm. it's doable. Uh, another issue I have, or concern, I should say, not really issue, is the stretch goals. You know, they said uh, it's not going to affect the schedule. And mm -hmm. at first, I, I believed him with that one. You know, I, I, look, if you look at these stretch goals, the first one here is parlor games, you know, tavern games between players. That That's, that's easy, right? Mm -hmm. Cute small pets. Another easy thing, you know, give backers a little kitten. Group mounts. Okay, doable. You know, other games have done it. Backer-only mm -hmm. weapon skin. Easy. And then all of a sudden, enhanced naval content. They're going to add underwater environments and ships. All right, so that's pretty, you know, you, you got, you got full ski, you got full on games just based on, you know, naval combat and naval ships. And, 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 you know, that's an issue developing all that content. Well, well, they're saying they already had the ships. There's, I think they could do yeah, more ships, but still, I mean, a full on underwater areas and ship combat and ships. And so that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. Um, I, I, I love some of these, um, aquatic mounts. That's, has that done? I don't know if that's been done before. It's pretty interesting if they do that. But I mean, they're kind of getting a little, uh, 
over their heads. A $3 million uh, stretch goal, guys. I don't know if it's going to get there, but is that in-depth economic performance metrics and commodities trade routes, wars, raids. So they're, they're getting ambitious here uh, with some of these, some of these uh, stretch goals. Of course, those apparently will not take will not add one additional day to the development cycle because they planned it all out from the get-go. They planned out all their stretch goals from the get-go, is I believe what they said uh, early on, which I, is definitely a big question when you're adding all that content. I definitely think uh, Star Citizen mainly, but also Strata the Avatar has tainted the whole crowdfunding. Uh, uh, I don't think it's fair trend. to say. I mean, really? this game raised a lot of money. Uh, Star Citizen continues to raise a lot of money. And it shows the the hype there is and the hope that we have a, you know a great MMORPG again in the West. People are excited. People want to play something. All right. I I, I think this I think this trend is gonna is gonna is gonna fizzle out eventually. There's only so much people can pour in and not not really see results. You know. Well, I mean, again, it's not you know it's not entirely. You know, we should be entirely jaded. I'm hoping these games happen and meet all these promises, and it'd be great if a game like Ashes of Creation does happen. You know, but. Realistically, questionable. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. I want to take this to a uh, interesting article I put up today about King of Glory. We talked about this earlier, but some interesting data came out uh, relatively recently about the game's uh, financial performance. So this mobile MOBA, King of Glory, uh, also translates. The, 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 there's an American version coming out called Strike of Kings, also known as Honor of Kings, is incredibly successful. It made $435 million in April. And it's expected to do. Uh, it's about to make. It's expected to be fifty percent of ten cents mobile revenue uh, this year. It will make billions in revenue this year. If it, if that four hundred million dollars continues, over four billion dollars in one year. That is absolutely nuts. So this is just out in China right now, right? Or is it? Yes. Is it, and starting to come out worldwide. Mm -hmm. I haven't played this yet. I want to play it. Uh, I wonder. You played it. How to play on yeah. a phone? Like, could you? Did you feel like your you know your character was responsive? How to how to feel? It felt really good actually. Uh, I, I don't like most mobile games. I talked about this before. I'll briefly mention it again. It, it just it feels super responsive. There's some built-in auto targeting for your auto attacks and stuff, and you know your your skills. So there's still skill shots in the game, but it's been designed pretty intuitively that you can actually just play it on your phone, and it doesn't feel like uh, super difficult. The learning curve it, it's like even easier than Hots, you know, to pick up and play. Like Hots, is, I, I would argue, is, a, is an infinitely more complex game almost. But the game does have items that you can buy. Wow, really? But, yes. But it just it's super easy to pick up and play, and it actually works really well on mobile. And it just felt really smooth. Uh, most mobile games kind of feel a little janky to me, but this one worked really well. I play on the PC, though. I didn't play it on my, uh, on my device, but it actually is made for mobile. It felt very, a little awkward playing it on PC with the emulator. There is a PC client as well, though, which is nice. I'm kind of hoping there's a PC you, client when it launches here, too. Do you think PC players are at an advantage? Kind of like you know, mm. console versus PC shooters. No, because you you're playing on this on this emulator. It's not okay. like it, it's. I, I think it works fine on on mobile. You can see a lot of people streaming in China. There, do you Chinese Twitch? I saw a guy with six hundred thousand people watching him play. Six hundred thousand people were watching one guy play King of Glory, and it wasn't even a tournament. It was just this dude playing on his you know his, his mobile device. <laughs> so Eugene just had a funny comment in chat. Uh, he said, "So this game made three times less online development cost in one month. I don't understand this world anymore." <laughs> Actually, more than three times. I think Bless cost about sixty-two million dollars to make. That was their the last number we found for them. So this game made like eight times the development cost in one month. And to make wow. that even more astounding, World of Warcraft, a game that many of us kind of regard as the one of the most profitable, successful MRPGs, made about eight hundred fourteen million dollars in twenty fifteen. 
this game made uh, more than half of WoW's revenue in one month. Wow. And EVE Online, it's made like triple EVE Online's revenue. And that's EVE Online, all of CCP. CCP makes revenue from elsewhere too. This game made like triple all of CCP's revenue in one month. Uh, this game's monthly revenue alone is higher than most games on our um, most profitable and most list. Which is basically strict to six to PC games only. China is off. big, boys. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it's so take a funny. look at this list. Yeah, you know what's funny? Um, you know, games like Star Wars, uh, The Old Republic, Elder Scrolls Online cost so much to make, right? But mm -hmm. this game in one month could fund. It could fund Star Citizen. Plus, it could fund money a, left over. Yeah. Money left over for Star Wars: The Old Republic. <laughs> in so one the month. most successful PC game in the world. Uh, is League of Legends they did about 1.8 billion dollars last year. Uh, this game will will beat that in like uh, five months, and it is absolutely nuts. I, I think the the momentum will continue. Uh, you know, you could say that was a launch month boom, but this game is is still the most downloaded game in all of China. Typically, when it, you know it's the highest grossing game and the most downloaded. Uh, rarely are games the most downloaded apps in China. For example, I'm, I'm using a site like App Annie to to track these kind of numbers. But rarely does a game sit on the, the highest downloaded list. It's usually like WeChat or like some, some social apps, you know, Facebook apps, stuff like that. But this game is sitting as the most downloaded game for a long time. And it, I think the revenue is going to surprise everyone. <coughs> Quite impressive. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're curious what the game is about too, you know, you can see the my first look video for it. Or you just go on Chinese uh, Chinese Twitch and just, just click around. You'll find some interesting stuff on here for this game. Like if you click, I, I dropped the Chinese Twitch link if anyone's curious for later. Uh, this is unbelievably popular. You can see so many people watching uh, various streams of this game. China is China's big. Wow, I'm I'm I am dumbfounded here. <laughs> I, I am too. I, I knew it was a lot of money, but I didn't think it was four hundred over four hundred million in one month. It just blows everything else out of the water, and this is the. How do you justify spending like $70 million, $60 million on a game like Bless when a mobile game like oh this is... What year is it, money? guys? I'm trying to watch a stream on us. Do you? It says I have to enable Flash Player. So, sorry, China. I'm, I'm out. Later, China. <laughs> but if you, you know, you can browse that website on, on Chrome, which is Google translated pages. You know, right-click translate if you're on Google. And it's interesting to see, you know, what the game is all about. And, and the game, again, is launching here in the West and... Look, it's not a bad game. I'm not being paid to say this. I, I wish I was. I think it's pretty fun. And it's a game you can very casually play on your phone. And I I'm actually looking forward to playing it. I've been trying to play it over here because the game is out in Turkey, but it's not out in you know, English just yet. But I couldn't get my phone to use the, the local app store here to play it. Um, what else we got? Okay, so we saw some gameplay, guys, for the next big game here. Uh, I guess it's worth mentioning, at least showing, the uh, Destiny 2. Uh, mm -hmm. Gameplay trailer. This was kind of it was just like a new reveal. Uh, a few, uh, I think, a week or two ago. Let's see what mm -hmm. we got here. Gameplay reveal trailer, boys. Uh, it was a big reveal just a couple days ago, wasn't there? Like, wasn't the Destiny event? also one of the most expensive games? To yes. Yes. <clears throat> yes. I will find actually the most expensive and more pizza ever developed. So this game is is not quite like Persistent World, right? It's it's kind of like more like. Um, Warframe, where you just go into like these missions. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that accurate? I don't know. I haven't yeah. really played Destiny 1. I uh, guess Warframe is probably the best comparison for a game like mm -hmm. Destiny. The most, probably the most similar uh, of games I can think about. Cost about $140 million to make. 
uh, again, is an estimate based on uh, some old contract that came out with Bungie and uh, Activision. No, you know, very difficult to find exact numbers for these games, but we cited everything we can find on that link. So apparently, this game is going to have four new zones, none of the same overlap. Um, it's going to have the same three classes or guardians or whatever they're called, and it's going to have slightly different PvP. There's only going to be four v four PvP, so they're going for like the whole team based. Uh, PvP experience. Yeah, I mean it's a probably one of the biggest launches oh, of this. Here's the big news about this game. I, I just remembered, it's going to be the first game that's not made by Blizzard to be on the Blizzard launcher. What do you think of that? I think it's unbelievably smart. Uh, why is a giant company like Activision, right, literally giving away thirty percent of their profits to Steam as to be this, the platform partner? When you have a giant platform like Battle.net or Blizzard app, which everyone still uses to play, whether they're playing Overwatch or they're playing World of Warcraft, right? So, or Hearthstone even. Like, there are so many people using the Blizzard launcher that they're, they're insane to leave anything on the table for Steam. It's exclusive on there as well, too, so they're going to be getting all that money. Yeah, with that said, though, why did it take this long? Like, why is um, Call of Duty? Why is Call yeah. of Duty on Steam, right? Like, if they have this, they had, you know, they've had Battle.net launcher, it was called Battle.net before Blizzard. But uh, they've had. They still call it Battle.net, actually. I I've been seeing Battle.net used in their press releases even now. So That's so funny. The name they did change the name on the actual. Um, yeah. On the actual service, it's called. Ba no, actually, no. You're right. If, if you right-click the Blizzard launcher, it still says Battle.net for me. <laughs> so I guess I guess uh, Blizzard hasn't made up their mind yet on what to call their. Isn't it called mm -hmm. Battle.net? Uh, Uber Spidey. Actually, it was called Battle.net, but they changed the name to Blizzard Launcher uh, a few months back, and I guess slowly. And uh, inconsistently, they are, they are uh, translating th that over. And yeah, you know, they're saying Steam is a much larger market than Bina. That's true. But people that want to play uh, Destiny, I mean, when you're launching a giant game like Destiny, you spend already like fifty million dollars plus on marketing, and it, people are still going to use the Battle.net launcher. I mean, if it was an obscure bullshit launcher, I agree, you have to launch it on Steam. But when you have a giant company like Activision Blizzard, you already have literally tens of millions of people using your uh, your platform to play Hearthstone play overwatch play wow it's not an unknown launcher you know and for that blizzard doesn't need uh activision doesn't need their game on steam i don't think it's gonna hurt their sales at all and, and I, if it does you'll more than make up for it with the 30 percent you save <laughs> on the steam fees there's actually a secondary benefit to being on the uh blizzard launcher actually uh if you guys still play wow out there you can actually sell your wow uh gold for these uh in-game token game time tokens kind of like the plex mm -hmm. system for eve and then these tokens can actually be uh, traded in for $15 of Blizzard credit rather than being used for WoW, for WoW, you know, one month of WoW time. So what this means is if you can farm enough gold in WoW, you can use that gold to buy Destiny 2. And this is what people have been trying to do. People are dumping their gold. Uh, they get these tokens so they can get themselves some sweet, sweet uh, free games. Um, <laughs> unfortunately... That means it's going to cost you 480,000 WoW gold to buy uh, Destiny 2. So if you are willing to farm 480,000 gold in WoW, you can trade that in for enough Battle.net credit to buy De pre-order Destiny 2 today. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, honestly. I, I hope somebody did an article on the following the exchange rate of in-game gold in World of Warcraft to US dollars. Uh, World of Warcraft gold is a very fast depreciating asset. I remember like 1k gold was like a dollar or something back in the day, but the price has gotten so ridiculous where like even 100k is worth like so little, you know? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, price people, of gold is absolutely people in chat are saying, you know, you can if you know what you're doing, you can make that money in two weeks. Which I mean, it sounds nice, but two weeks it's probably still like what, like a hundred hours of grinding. Um, uh, I mean, if you have the gold sitting in your account, you know, why not? You know, get a free game out of it. No. Uh, Plus, you know, when you're, you know, consider the audience too. Like a lot of people that aren't working, that aren't 18 yet, that aren't going to get jobs, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, like the per hour cost is awful, right? And you're not, you know, you're better off working minimum wage and then buying the game. But if, you know, if you're young and you don't, you don't have a job, play well. You know, if you already have a subscription to the game that your parents are paying for, play the game, grind the gold, you know, do something. You'll, it'll be an experience, you know, for you, the game will be, you know, free, quote, you know. <coughs> yeah, so there it is, guys. If you have some gold. Go ahead and sell it. Um, All right, here, here was my trick to get. Here's the one sweet trick they don't want you to know about. I was a big time scammer in World of Warcraft. I made shit tons of money. Like, I think I, like, I made up over like 500 bucks worth of real life money in game pretty quickly doing this. Uh, what you would do is you just buy like, you, you list item in the auction house in World of Warcraft. I, I, would, I would do it with Haunted Mementos. It was an item that you could buy from a vendor in the, the Wrath of Lich King and it became rare because they discontinued the vendor or something, but it's called Haunted Memento. It was an item that was worth about like 10k gold back when I played, like when Mist just came out, right? Item that was worth 10k gold, you buy it in the auction house, you find it from other players, it's very rare. It's not always in the auction house, so you know it's a very limited quantity. Most of the time, it won't be in the auction house at all. But you find one, you buy it for like 10k, which is you know, the correct price, and you list it for like 80k, which is eight times the actual price of that item. And you go on a different character, and you start spamming, want to buy Haunted Memento, and you offer to pay 150k for it. So you're paying 150k for an item that's in the auction house for 80k. Uh, little, the, little do people realize that you know people are going to check the auction house to see if that item's for sale, and they're going to buy it from you for 80k and try selling it to you again for 150k because you're advertising it, right? So people think they can buy it in the auction house for 80 and flip it to you for 150, but little do they know you're the same person and you rip them off that way, and it's actually not bannable because it uses in-game mechanics. And if the guy buys it from you and he tries selling it to you, you just tell him, "Yo, bro." Uh, I, somebody just sold me one. You just missed it. I just got one. I'm sorry, bro. Like two seconds earlier, I would have bought it. You know, once in a while, some guy will whisper you saying like, "It's in the auction house for 80k. Why don't you go buy it?" Right? And they're kind of questioning if it's a scam or not. And you, the proper answer is, "No, it's not. I checked it like 10 minutes ago. It wasn't on there. What are you talking about?" And then that guy's gonna think, "Holy shit! It was just listed. I have a chance to buy it and flip it to this guy." So, convoluted story, but uh, I made lots of in-game money in World of Warcraft doing that. That's the trick and to scamming. Fun. That's the trick to scamming, guys. You don't go for the total, like, you don't play on people's stupidity. You play on their, yeah. like, greed and cleverness. Like, the guy the guy who sees, you know, you selling the, or buying the item for more than it's listed for an auction house, he thinks he's being clever, right? He thinks he can yes, flip exactly. to you. Exactly. So, you, that's what you gotta exploit if you are, uh, if you are, wanna be a good scammer. And it works because the, that base mechanic of, Buying, high, you know, buying low, selling high is a fundamental mechanic of the auction house in World of Warcraft, as is the fundamental, you know, economics 101. You buy stuff low, you sell it for more, you make a profit, and you just really take it to the extreme. And it works so well with, you know, certain items in game. You can't do it with shitty items that everybody knows about. You got to use obscure items that people don't know the price of. I've actually did it with like a in-game pet that was like very easy to get, right? It was like, I think it was a craftable pet or some some nonsense in the game. That's literally like you can get the materials and make it for like nothing, but there was none for sale in the auction house because it was so obscure and stupid that I, 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 it was worth nothing, but I was able to get like 50K for it because I was spamming, I was buying it for like 100K. So it works on any item, really. As long as there is not liquidity, it's an unknown item. People get greedy and they fall for it. And I've never been banned. I've done this many times. And it works in any MMORPG that is an auction house. 
my brother and I actually pulled this uh, mini scam off in, in, in MapleStory. We were in free chat in one of the, in the free you know free markets, advertising. I'll be in one corner saying I'm trying to sell this axe for like 100 million mesos or 10 million mesos, whatever the current whatever the units were back then. There's a lot of inflation in that game too. And the other side of the free market was me was my brother buying that exact item. One of us was selling it. One was buying it. And people would walk in the you know in the busy area of the free market in in, in MapleStory. And they see this guy selling an item for this much money, and the same guy, some other guy buying it at the same time. Two different people, and they they, they can't put two and two together working in cahoots with each other. Yeah, they think they can buy it from my brother or buy it from me and flip it to my brother for like double the price. And once they buy the item, you know, we, we made our money, and it's perfectly you know legal in these games. Just a douchebag move, but it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is it's 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 a clever trick that works in across games, guys. So if you ever want to make some money in, in your preferred MMO, uh, you know, you go ahead and use this trick, and you can you can credit us afterwards. It's one weird trick they don't want you to know about, all right? But also, hopefully, you know, it'll help you avoid scams in the future. Somebody says uh, he made a lot of money in the Tropic Universe, buying some gear for 300, winning four years, and selling it for 1100. Uh, definitely wow. a great return investment there. <laughs> oh, next, Ramus. Thank you for the 100 bits. Uh, Remo, he wants a guide, a scammer's guide to MMOs. So, All right, I, I'll make a, <laughs> I, I can make a scammer's guide. Don't we have one of the common brother... scams to watch out for? That's not. Yes. That's we more like an altruism thing, for. you know? Not, not no, a. We'll help people, write some, you know, we'll help people do yeah. some scams. It's fun yeah. stuff. Like, typically, you can do scams that are, you know, legal within the game. Yeah, my brother and I made a lot of money when we were like 15 playing Ultima Online scamming people. Like we made thousands of dollars playing Ultima Online scamming, which when you're like 15 is like a million dollars, right? It's gotten so, harder yeah. though. It's gotten harder. People got smarter. Yeah. But like, you know, it's kind of like an invasive species. You know, like if a new species is introduced to an environment, it, it tends to, you know, grow without any competitors, right? It, it eats mm -hmm. all the little animals that don't, that aren't afraid of it, you know? So mm -hmm. when, when MMOs first came out, people were so naive. I remember a big EverQuest scam for me. Here's, here's what it was. I'd walk up to somebody with like cool equipment on, like a, a cool flaming sword. And I would just be like, hey, can I can I try that sword on my character? I want to see what it looks like on my character. Like I want to take a screenshot of me holding that sword and I'll give it right back. Mm -hmm. And and for some reason, people would fall for this. Like, they would open the trade, they'd give me their sword, except I'd put it on and then they're like, oh, okay, can I get it back now? I'm like, no, you cannot get it back now. Bye. <laughs> and I sleep. But you would think it's so obvious that people wouldn't fall for that, right? Yeah. But this was, you know, EverQuest was one of the earlier MMORPGs. It kind of made the, the genre more popular. People didn't assume, what, you go on the internet and tell lies? Like, who would do that, right? <laughs> people were willingly handing their rare weapons to you and their gear. Because in EverQuest, it wasn't gear locked. You can literally wear any piece of gear. There was no level of restrictions on gear, right? So people would just hand you their most valuable items thinking you'll just give it back because, you know, you pinky swore, you promised. Like, this would never fly anymore. So it's definitely getting harder to, to trick people. Yeah. And, uh, and like, games like RuneScape, I'm not sure about MapleStory, would have something called a drop game, right? It's like, hey, drop your item, and then I'll try to get to it before and before you pick it back up. It's like, and obviously, <laughs> there'd always be some kind of trick to this. You know, people would either have a hidden character or a hack or something, and they'd just vacuum your item. So never, don't <laughs> don't drop your items or give them to people, guys. That's, that's a key. Oh, the drop game. Fun times in MapleStory. <laughs> the drop game. <laughs> Somebody asked, uh, how, how are the, the trench coats doing? My trench coat investment is still uh, paying off. The market has steadied at right about 190 bucks. I have five trench coats now. I bought, I bought one more recently. I paid 170 for my most recent trench coat. I bought two trench coats for $75. I bought one uh, for, I think, $100. But overall, I'm up like 
400 bucks or a little bit more on investing in trench coats for player unknowns battlegrounds virtual economies good times Actually, we should totally make a guide on how to scam did people. We, did we mention Black Desert going online on Steam tomorrow? I, I think we, yeah, did, we, we talked about it in pre. Yeah, we, did we, I don't know. I forgot. No, yeah, we, yeah, we talked about it in pregame. Uh, yeah, Black Desert Online guys launching on Steam tomorrow, and huh? we're gonna see how many people are actually online when it launches. Uh, if, if the price is right, I'm gonna buy it again just to play on Steam. Uh, I, I don't think I'd buy it again. I'm gonna download it off Steam because it's, it's, I think it's gonna be about twelve bucks. Uh, that they're advertising with MMOs.com, so we have like we see, I saw their banners beforehand. I think it's forty. They're advertising forty percent off their retail price, so I think it's going to be about twelve bucks. <clears throat> but we'll find out tomorrow. It's a buy-to-play game, one-time payment. Uh, and this could be the first time we're going to see like how much impact Steam will have, because again, you can't just log in with your old video account on Steam. You have to buy the game on Steam. So any almost everybody, well, everybody playing the game on Steam on Steam charts, and when you look at the Steam data. Are people that bought the game new so everyone on steam will be new players that bought the game or old players that bought another account for whatever reason so we'll be able to measure how much impact steam had on the player base of black desert online whereas before when a game launched on steam many old players just stopped playing on the shitty old launcher and just play through steam so it kind of skews the numbers and you never know exactly how many people steam introduced so we're going to actually be able to measure that result uh going forward bdo uh, another big game came out to just today i think or yesterday Elder Scrolls Online, Morrowind Upgrade. Uh, it got a little bit of flack because they're charging 40 bucks for this, ex for this expansion. Um, even for people who subscribe, which they said they wouldn't do, but uh, there it is. Uh, luckily, it's still a one-time purchase if you want to play. Uh, you just got to have the base game plus 40 bucks for this. Yeah, it, people saying it's a little overpriced. 40 bucks, you know, it's, that's kind of steep. It's like a change. Yeah. That's 40, uh, you know, McDoubles. That's 40 rodeo chicken burgers at Burger King, you know? That's how I measure uh, worth in, in rodeo chicken burgers. I think I think they're really playing off nostalgia here. Okay, so basically, you can start level 1 in the Morrowind area. Uh, and the trick I think they're just going for is just get the nostalgia players from Elder Scrolls 3 and just let them experience, you know, Morrowind in 2017. That mm -hmm. seems to be the play here. Somebody mentioned too that uh, Stormblood is also forty bucks. So, Stormblood's adding a lot of content. All right, I, I, I would argue I think there's more content in Stormblood than what you're gonna get from uh, ESO, namely because the level seventy level cap is gonna be boosted. Now, basically every class can get to level seventy now, and with the game's multi-classing system, you have all that on one character. Now, that's a lot of potential new grind for you. Uh, it's supposed to be supposedly supposed to be a big zone. I, I'm actually gonna play this. I'm gonna try it. I'll give you the down low after I, I've given it a shot, but. Uh... I mean, they say it's big, so who knows? We'll see. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll stream this Stormblood one. I, I, I haven't, I haven't decided yet. I'm personally excited for Stormblood. Uh, I haven't pre-ordered. I already pre-ordered it, and I think I have some uh, in-game goodies for pre-ordering it too. I think they actually they, they actually priced their um their level six the level sixty boost. So uh, we we were there was rumors about the level sixty boost in Final Fantasy for some time now, but now the official pricing came out. You can buy. You know, you can't get the max level, which is 70 with the expansion pack. But if you want to, you know, you want to play Stormblood, but you don't have a level 60 character, you can pay 25 bucks to get it. Let me go and see if I can pull that up for you. But yeah, 25 bucks for a level 60 boost and have a 14 now. Definitely a little bit pricey, but I think right now you can only do it once per account. Yep. I guess they maybe wanted to make it so, you, you know, you can't just buy it 10 times and like max out all the jobs, you know? Because people put a lot of time into the game. 
I guess, you know, there are people in game with max level with every single class of the game, which is requires a tremendous amount of grind, tremendous amount of dedication. But I think they're going to, you know, they're lifting that, that, that you know, restriction after patch 4.1, apparently. And I'm sure uh, maybe they'll put like a different restriction on that. And you cannot do it for the new jobs, only for the previous jobs. They're introducing Samurai and Red Mage with the, with the expansion. Uh, so yeah, two big expansions coming out. Um, I guess I'll play one. You'll play, play the other, and uh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see which one's better. Uh, Let me ask about the Amazon Game Studios MMO. Uh, there's no word on when that's coming out yet. I mean, the, the only game from Amazon Game Studios that made some progress was uh, the one we played, that MOBA game. They did another like round of pull beta testing. I forgot what it's called now because it was so unmemorable. You remember what it was called? The what the the oh the breakaway the, the Amazon Mo breakaway Break there you go breakaway did another round of beta testing but there's been nothing on the new Amazon MMO nothing new at least true so it'll true. be it's quite a while still quite a while away I, I got a fun story uh, I want to talk right, about sure uh, it involves Dota two um, so Dota two is going back to court boys back to, back to court. So, when this Dota 2 came out, uh, so Valve got the rights to it, right? But, obviously, it was based on a Warcraft 3 mod, which is owned by Blizzard. So, there was a big, there was a dispute between the two. Eventually, they came to a settlement. The settlement said this. Valve owns the rights to make standalone Blizzard games, okay? But... Standalone Blizzard games? I mean, standalone Dota, Dota, games. Dota games. But, okay. Blizzard retains the right to use the word Dota for its, uh, for its games. So, for example, Blizzard Dota was the initial name for HOTS, Blizzard Dota. It was supposed to be a mod for StarCraft 2. Uh, eventually, they kind of ditched the Dota name. But that was that was the deal they had. Now, uh, since then, we've got a lot of Chinese games making uh, Dota clones for mobile. And by clones, I mean they're not really MOBAs, right? But they use a lot of the same assets. Like, I'm showing a video right mm -hmm. here. So they have Dota characters in this little turn-based card game or whatever this is, all right? And the, pure collector. Pure Wife collector. Sure. Uh, and they're suing... For the right to use, actually, the Bing suit, I should say, by Valve and Blizzard, and they're saying you guys can't use these things, and they're saying we can because you guys don't, you guys don't actually own Dota; it's actually open source. That's a claim. Defense, interesting defense you're using. And and they're uh, they have a few. Uh, the, the judge actually dismissed their thing, uh, their case, and they said so. That, what that means is it's going to go to jury. The jury has to decide if this is the case or not. Uh, the ju uh, the judge would not buy their excuse and saying that it's essentially, open essentially when you know in certain lawsuits you can ask for summary judgment so i guess blizzard and valve basically told the judge look uh summary judgment means you get an instant ruling before it even goes to a jury and they were denied a motion for summary judgment meaning they don't get the instant rule mm -hmm. they, they want to basically and did this in the bud and end you know basically shut them down before it even went to court before it even got to a law before it even got to a jury but the fact that they made an argument and the judge i guess believed the argument enough to let it go to a jury so if you have no argument, it usually gets settled even before. So here's, it has some merit. So here's the case that the two Chinese studios are making. Um, so Dota went through three developers initially. A guy named Yule created the first mod, right? Before Frozen Throne expansion. Then a guy named Ginsu came along. Then the guy named Icefrog came along, which is the guy that uh, made Dota 2 primarily for Valve. Uh, fun fact, Yule also works for Valve, and Ginsu is over at Riot Games. There's a, they, they actually dug up an old quote. Uh, by Yule, the first inventor of uh, Dota. A forum post from 2004. <laughs> so that's, that's what, 13 years ago now? 
And here's yeah. a quote. I wish I could give you a last map that's playable, but I can't. Instead, from this point forward, Dota is now open source. Whoever wishes to release a version of Dota may without my consent. I just ask for a nod in the credits to your map. So he used that word open source. Now, whether it's his to open source to begin with is, uh, is, is a questionable, right? It's, it's, it's a Warcraft 3 map. So obviously Blizzard, you, know, you can't open source well, someone else's content. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think it's an interesting uh, defense that Chinese companies putting out, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the history of Dota and the deals they struck with Blizzard, uh, Blizzard and um, Valve, rather, I mean, they bought the rights for uh, Dota 2 from the old developers. Yes. I mean, if you, so they actually paid Ice Frog for his rights. And Yule. And Yule. And Yule. They, they were paid money for their rights. So clearly, yes. both companies believe that it was their game to sell the rights to, right? Yes. So because of that, I feel like it validates that it was his game. Yule had the you know authority to open source it. It was his to open source. If at a later point, it was acknowledged that they could transfer the rights. So well, he did, and God bless, you know, this, uh, what is this, uh, Wayback Machine archive, which lets, you know, all these old websites get archived forever, basically. So this quote and this discussion by Yule is forever immortalized on the internet over here, and you can't go back and change it. It's, this is, this is, this is great evidence. As another point too, um, like you said, uh, Ice Frog and Yule were both paid for their, to transfer their rights to Dota to Vel. And by the way, Ginsu was paid, uh, to transfer his rights to Riot. And Riot then sold those rights to Blizzard. That, that's a chain of uh, the three creators. But the initial uh, EULA for Warcraft 3 says you cannot for you know, you cannot you cannot uh, use the map maker for commercial purposes, including but not limited to distribution of mods on a standalone basis or packaged with other software or hardware. So <laughs> they didn't even have the right to sell uh, whatever it is they sold. But Valve. Blizzard bought it anyway. So Blizzard bought it anyway. Yeah, I'm sure there was some wording in the in the terms of service where there was some legal loophole, where I'm sure all the terms of service going forward are much more strict. I feel like maybe it was a little looser back then, where there was some some wiggle room on that. Uh, yeah. So basically, the fun guys, this is fun because unless there's a settlement between the parties involved, the four studios involved, basically a, a random group of random Americans are going to have to decide all this. So can you imagine like a 50 year old? Uh, you know, guy who has no clue about games, he's gonna have to listen to Yule and Dest uh, Ice Frog and Dota and Val Blizzard. He's gonna have to listen to all this and then just decide if uh, if you know Dota is open source or not. So that's fun. God bless the jury system. You know, these, they, they yeah. don't want to know what the hell is going on with these games. No, I play Dota. Look, honestly, I, I work yeah. in this industry and I don't even know. I don't even know who's right. <laughs> you know? No, it, it, yeah. Who knows, right? It's it's not so one sided. Honestly, I I really hope uh, to a degree that. The, the Chinese studio wins this game only because like I feel like a lot of these restrictions prevent a lot of games from coming out like look 300 heroes right that game is a mindless fun it's they rip off all the heroes from Dota they rip, they rip off League heroes they rip off all these popular animes <laughs> but it's crazy fun but you'll never be able to get that game in America because of all the copyright stuff so like in a way I'm kind of rooting for uh, the Chinese studio to win only because uh, why not right I, I don't think this game is hurting anyone if they're copying these these Dota heroes I mean this is, <laughs> yeah, and actually, if you guys are interested in this subject, I don't know how many people here are, but there's actually a PDF of um, the judge's you know, ruling, right, so far. And mm -hmm. it's so funny how he tries to be very in-depth. He is, actually. The judge, you know, he does a pretty good job. Uh, I read this whole document. But I love the way he, he starts it. He's, he's a little cheeky. Uh, the various video games that issue in this copyright case take players to fantastical worlds <laughs> populated by elves, demons, 
at least one elf demon. <laughs> at least one. At least one elf demon. And, he, and then, look, he puts the citation one, right? And if you look at the bottom here, it's a C, Illidan Storm Rage. So, <laughs> so this judge is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's a at fan of Illidan. At least one half demon. Yeah. I'm glad he was very thorough about that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fun funny. read. And it, you can actually say you've read a court case if you... Uh, uh, just <laughs> document. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> Interesting. I'm I'm rooting for China. All right, China number one. All right. <laughs> Best judge in A. <laughs> Find that he actually bothered to put at least one half demon. Yeah, there's I'm a sure few there's little... other races he ignored too. Come on. <laughs> there's a few funny uh, lines, and he had fun with it. The, the judge has fun with the story, and you know that, that makes me hopeful that a lot of these other. Um, this, you know, these uh, court readings aren't all boring. You know, I'm sure they throw themselves little Easter eggs because I'm sure lawyers and judges, you know, spend hours a day reading, right, of this nonsense. So I'm sure they throw each other some Easter eggs. But what's funny, too, is actually the next line is pretty good. Eventually, this rather remarkable chance to play God, like too many human endeavors, devolved into a fight over money. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the judge, this judge is a good... Obviously, you know, judges tend to be smart, so he's a pretty, he's a pretty good writer. So it's, it, it was a fun mm -hmm. document to read. He's a good writer. Does he want to work for MMOs.com for uh, slave wages? No, I don't, we'll, uh, I don't know, man. We'll haul out of it. We can't even afford Gumby. You know, we, how we yeah. can't afford a, a judge. We can't afford a judge? All right, rip. <laughs> Take it to another uh, discussion for an MMORPG, actually, because this is the MMOs.com podcast. Uh, first uh, gameplay trailer release. Actually, but maybe before we show that video, don't show that video just yet because okay. I want to show you the first uh, reveal for, for Justice over here. Take a look at this first. This was the first uh, video we looked at for a game called Justice. In January, NetEase, China's second biggest game developer, released this crazy in-game footage right for their, for their new game. And maybe this game looks beautiful, like unbelievably beautiful. Treacherous and then we get Waters an actual Online. gameplay video. Okay, so I'm going to play the... Yeah, let's play Treacherous Waters Online right. video. So... This game, like the graphics seem unbelievably good. And these are all supposed to be in-game uh, graphics. Like if you put on HD, it looks phenomenal. Like almost unreal. I've never seen like an MMORPG or a game with this like beautiful looking graphics. And if it's all supposed to be in-game. <laughs> like it looks gorgeous. It does. And then you're gonna see what it actually looks like, all right? Okay, all right, let's after this. <laughs> let's go to let's go to what actually looks like, all right, boys? Yeah, go to what it actually looks like now. I mean look, it, it still looks pretty decent, right? But like it doesn't look anywhere near as impressive as it looked in that video, all right? It looks just like oh my god, like it hypes they put so much hype on the visuals on that first reveal trailer that when you see some actual gameplay footage, it doesn't look nearly as uh impressive. No, it doesn't. No, it looks like another like uh you know Moo Legend Lineage Eternal like look you know. I think a lot of these Chinese games kind of do what Re Revelation does is where they're kind of very inconsistent with the quality. Like certain things look really good, and then mm -hmm. certain things they kind of cheat on. And I guess that makes it run on you know low end specs easier, but uh, it mm -hmm. does it does give it a pretty disjointed look. We'll see. I think it looks decent. It just that it doesn't look nearly as impressive as it did in that first reveal trailer. Some parts right. do. Some parts do look impressive, but it's just they kind of they kind of choose where they want to spend the the gigawatts, you know? Yeah, true. I'll have to see it in game. 
Yeah, I mean, this is uh, the first gameplay trailer for. It. Apparently, beta begins on July twenty first. It's not a big PC game, so even you know, with how big mobile games are in China, as we talked about, you know, King of Glory, they're still releasing new PC games over there too. You know, PC games are definitely not dead. They still make lots of money. Oh yeah, uh, companies like uh, Nexon still make the bulk of their money from their PC portfolio. So it's, it's certainly oh, not that. Your Fire Line makes a billion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, too, a game called Dragon Oath was published by Changyu in America. Pretty sure the American version is dead now. Nobody plays it. But Dragon Oath still makes about $50 million a quarter in China. That game makes about $200 million a year, and it's like a 10-year-old uh, Chinese MMORPG. Still minting money. You know, I wanted to write a segment or, or do a segment uh, maybe for this podcast. Uh, I guess we'll do it at the end here. It's called What Year Is It? Uh, we got we got a Quake coming out. We got StarCraft Remastered coming out. So uh, I think nostalgia is a huge thing. And you, you, have, more, you have the Morrowind uh, expansion coming out for yep, yep. and everything. Uh, nostalgia is a big, big seller. I mean, they made a Power Rangers movie too. And you know why? Because they went pulling all the nostalgia. People that grew up you know, watching Power Rangers. That's why they ran the Twitch marathon for it right before the movie came out too. So nostalgia sells, you know, sells, all right? Nostalgia sells. <laughs> all right, well. We talked a bit about Bless as well. Maybe we'll bring up the, the Bless Japan thing at least. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. That's we, a good one. We didn't, we didn't mention, Aaron didn't put Bless uh, in the list of games you're excited for in 2017 because we don't know if the game is actually going to come out because they're still, you know, apparently work on this revamped version. But, you know, Bless Japan is going to include revamped skill system and autopathing, which I guess might be some of the features we can expect on the upcoming you know russian version when they relaunch or the american version when it relaunches too but bless is not dead all right the russian version is is is, is rested pepperino it's dead nobody's playing the korean version but they are redeveloping the game with uh action combat and hopefully better optimizations so what do you think of the changes in the on the japanese uh server look the only they need to fix the optimization that that's like the biggest issue top of the list right top of the list uh you they, you said they were getting rid of the skill system as well yeah skill no, books skill books they're so getting rid of skill books i think it's a great that's a great idea I think. i've hated skill books forever any a lot of old mrpgs had them right a lot of old school and more pre-play mrpgs had them and i always despised them and because they never served the useful purpose in bless you go to town you right click all the spell books for your level and now you learn the skill why put that step in there it literally added nothing to the game and it was just an inconvenience in every mrpg Mm-hmm. So I, I never like skill books. Get rid of them. I'm glad they're doing it over here. It was doubly hard when we were playing on the Russian server because the descriptions were not very clear on the skills. I didn't really know what I was, what I was, you know, buying or equipping. Mm-hmm. Um, now instead, uh, skills have a level between one to five. Uh, mm-hmm. Some skills maxed out at one. The rest maxed out at five. So you can go one. You, know, one, you just put five points in them. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Very clean. And uh, even on the easier. Japanese server, I could just tell right away. Uh, what's going on you know like there's i see all the skills you know i see where i put my points it's it's just a much better system mm-hmm. look i think bless a fun game if they can if they can release bless that runs super optimal that feels smooth that they get rid of the you know performance issues i think it could have done really well but when nobody can play your game you know my gtx 1080 can't play that game without lag and my top end pc has issues it's just not going to work you know people are doing all the doing all these weird any tweaks to get the game working and it's a game that runs on Unreal Engine too. Another Unreal Engine game that just doesn't work on a more PG scale for whatever reason. And it blows my mind that they spent $60 million and they, and they released the game in Korea. They released it in Russia without realizing it was unplayable. Like, 
it was so obvious it was unplayable. Literally, one person sits down, they realize the game just doesn't work on most PCs. What about like the drawing board? Make it work. How, do you think the Japanese server will last, or will it go the way of uh, the Russian server? It'll go the way of the Russian really? server. Really? 100%. Look, the game is unplayable. If they don't fix the, the optimization issues, it's not going to work. No chance. All right. Well, we'll see. Like I said earlier, there's only one mm -hmm. server left in Korea. Uh, so uh, we'll see. We'll see how it does. What do you think of the autopathing? I see in chat it's pretty contentious here. Yeah, I mean, we talked about streamlining certain things isn't always best. I agree, but when certain things can be streamlined, at, you know, if anything, it was a frustration point with skill books and a lot of games. Uh, even in MapleStory, like in order to get your, uh, I actually played MapleStory recently, but in order to get your, like, to advance like beyond level ten or fifteen on your tier four skills, you had to get the uh, skill book. It was just an inconvenience, and it was really just like it required to Google and how to get it. It just it didn't add any real value or fun to the game, but you know. Well, what's auto that? thing? I don't know. I, hmm. I I think I'm okay with the getting rid of skill books. The auto pathing to me implies you think your game is cheap, right? So, uh, me as a player, I'm not gonna respect your game, uh, or your world, or or the effort you put into that world, right? If you don't respect it, and when you do auto pathing, you're basically telling me, listen, none of this matters. Just 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 you know, just follow the line. You know, basically don't look. So if if they're, if that's what if that's what their attitude is, my attitude is gonna be you know okay whatever your game is you know, is just basically a browser game. Good job you know like I'll still play it if it's fun. I'll play with my friends, um, but I just won't I won't you know be invested in that world. Look, I I like when games make the like the UI for maps like super useful. Like if it tells me like I I talk to NPC if it's marked on my map, if it auto walks maybe that's a bit too much then. But at least you know make it easily marked on the map. And that that streamlining there, I think, is okay, but don't make it auto walk across the whole like world to go to certain places and stuff, because then mm -hmm. the game just feels like you're not doing anything. I actually thought Bless did a great job with the UI, especially with the mm -hmm. map. Like uh, I'm showing some of our uh, our old uh, Grindfest video here, and you know things are clearly marked. Um, there's a path. You can see the roads. You can see the buildings. Mm -hmm. You can see little exclamation marks where the quests are. So I th I thought I mean, and we played Bless right. We leveled up. I didn't really have a hard time finding quest locations in that one, uh, so I thought it was, I thought that part was pretty well done. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I think as long as the UI is well done, you don't need auto auto pathing. Mm -hmm. But again, it's not a make or break thing, regardless. I mean, like when so much like auto, auto combat though is a is a is a make or break thing for me. On like especially PC MMORPGs, like a lot of like Keros Online, very obscure game, right? But it has built in auto combat where it just grinds for you. If the game just plays for me, it's a waste of time. Like again, your 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 logic of if the developers don't care enough about their game to be invested, telling yeah. you not to get invested, then it's impossible to get invested in the game. But auto combat is a deal breaker, I think, for me. Okay. Auto walk doesn't really. Doesn't okay, so really you're okay with auto walk. Again, look, I I don't want to be too harsh. Look, I'll play a yeah. game if it's fun, if it has auto walk, but I won't respect the world, like the. Okay. The, the the environment they made the the lore the characters the story I won't respect that if there's auto walk doesn't mean if it's if the combat's fun if other things are fun I'll play it they right? make it up for it yeah yeah but I'm just not gonna be inv invested in that in that world that's my only point <laughs> <coughs> all right well with that I think we are out of time uh, any last points or shall we move on to the after show one one last point I think somebody mentioned on Discord chat a while ago I think the reason I play female characters and more PGs now more than ever is that graphics are getting better, so my, my I can look at that nice HD booty while I'm playing uh, my MMO. See, if, if the character models were ugly, I'd be more likely to play a male character because they keep getting prettier and prettier. 
Take a look at that, you know. Nice, pretty character. Female character. Well said, well said. I, by the way, guys, Omar says this now, but uh, he is a late convert. I, he used to give me shit for playing a female in World of Warcraft. And I remember this somewhere. So, <laughs> when WoW came out, we were still in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother ratted on me. He told our dad that, oh, Erhon plays uh, a female character in this game. And then my dad, I guess, like, I don't know, maybe like in his mind, he's like, oh, I don't want my kid being like a sissy, you know? So he's like, don't play, <laughs> don't play a female. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I, you said, who are ratting me out? I, I ratted on you. <laughs> I snitched. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. <laughs> and now he's playing female characters too, so I got the last laugh. I, I, I was a little late to the cut. No, the, I see the benefits now. People are nicer to you too, but yeah. I see the benefits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I made all those points too. Like, oh, it's more fun to look at. You know, people are nicer to you. It didn't, not, it didn't fly, you know, <laughs> back then. Sissy. All right. Good times. <laughs> good times. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Gay Black Dragon, all right? It was a long time ago. Yeah, 2000, 2004, I'd say. All right, guys, with that, I'm going to have to cut it off here. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can continue and after show. If you guys are watching on Twitch, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, go watch this live. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's uh, chat on the right side. Leave some comments. Let us know. If you got a better way of doing that, let us know. Uh, with that, take it easy. We'll see you guys next time for YouTube. Later, YouTube. Yep.